The leadership race for PM is heating up. Russia are going to cut off gas for Europe. Novak Djokovic is probably not going to play in the US Tennis Open or whatever the fuck it's called. And the media are freaking out again about Joe Rogan. My name is Roy Jacobs and welcome back to episode 30 of the Radical English Gentleman. What is going on? It is been a while i mean last thursday hasn't been that long but yeah what is going on welcome if you're new to the show or this podcast in general my name is roy jacobs host of the show usually i get a guest on again it's another solar episode um i do apologize for that you know i, I do need to start getting guests fucking hell but, but um yeah welcome what is going on there's a lot there's a lot of news because you know you've got the pm who's going to be announced very soon because in the leadership race and just absolute insanity with the whole Russia situation and what it's going to actually cost people with things like fuel. And then, you know, the media's freaking out about Joe Rogan for the billionth time. But yeah, welcome, welcome. Let's jump into the first story. So the first thing is about the Tory leadership race between Sunak and Trust. So personally, I'm not a fan of either of them. I wanted Kemi Bednock to get in and it's really real shame she didn't because I feel like she was by far the most popular from the actual public. Like I I didn't see anyone criticising her. However, I saw people criticising Rishi and Liz everywhere. So it's like, yeah, sure they might be popular in the Tory party, but I think in the actual public, these two will do absolutely abysmal. If Rishi gets in, right, 100% Labour are going to win like the next election, there's no way that people would vote for Rishi after the amount of ridiculous things where he tries to act like, you know, one of the people and he's just such an elite politician. It just wouldn't work at all if he did get in. But yeah, so the two candidates in the Conservative leadership race are setting their pitches to the party members who will choose Boris Johnson's successor. Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss topped the final ballot of MPs on Wednesday, writing on the Daily Telegraph, Mr. Sunak said he would introduce a set of reform as radical as the ones Margaret Thatcher drove through the 1980s. And in the Daily Mail, mistrust promised tax cut and enterprise boost in business-friendly conservative policy. So, I personally, I think I would go for Liz Trust just because I feel like Rishi has kind of broke every policy. You know, he's like, yeah, we're the low tax party, and then he'll tax loads or he'll add more regulations, even though he kind of got the complete opposite stance and when you see kind of what's actually happened during the government he kind of just bows down to pressure um and if you're a traditional conservative you look at that and you go he doesn't really stand for traditional conservative values and it is interesting because he said he wants to do tax cuts but economically he doesn't know because it will cause it could could include yeah could in could cause inflation however there is a churning for tax cuts, so Liz Trust saying that probably will boost her drastically. But anyway, the pair emerged as the final candidates after mistrust overturned a narrow lead by Trade Minister Penny Morden at one point favourite to secure in the backing of 113 Tory MPs to Mrs Morden's 105. So Penny Morden has been labelled almost too progressive. And while, you know, people go, well, that's ridiculous, you've got to understand that like, when you look at the political dynamic the past like two years... The Tories haven't been conservative at all. So I think what a lot of the members are actually just looking for, no, the MPs are looking for right now is just someone who's actually conservative. So when they look at Penny Mordaunt saying things, you know, similar to what Jeremy Corbyn's saying as Rishi called her out in the debate, they kind of look at that and go, yeah, we, we just want, you know, traditional conservative values of low tax, deregulation, um, 
which which is completely fair enough and i do actually support a lot of that economic policy um and you know um it, it does kind of make sense and also i don't think she is the most like charismatic person either but she was from portsmouth so to be honest i i wanted her to get through as much as possible just because it like you know from here it'd be fucking sick to have prime minister from here even if she's not great you know she's from the best city in the world so um but yeah former chancellor mr sunak who consistently led among mps topped the ballot with 137 votes polls suggest he is less popular among conservative party memberships who will vote for the preferable candidate next month so that is a big thing i think is rishi i just can't see how anyone would actually vote for him normally like he's just so unpopular in the actual public yeah sure the mps might like him but in the actual public i think he'll do absolutely shit um but anyway the two finalists will now set out their stalls at 12 hustlings to be held around the uk this will f- the first will take place in leeds on the 28th of july while the last will be on london the 31st of august so just two weeks to charm the memberships of the Tory party. The daily democratic process involving 350 summit conservative MPs is now done. And now it widens to 160,000-ish conservative party members. I went to see half a dozen at the pub or Cheshire in Birmingham, says Chris Mason, political editor. And he says there was a grasp of how close the election to make the final two was and a real awareness of the responsibility of party members party members now carry on behalf of the country so you know i I think liz trust is going to get in i think she's kind of i've said she's trying to be like you know margaret thatcher personally not a fan of either of them i'm just sad in that kemi bednock has got out like it's pretty sad because i feel like she's just by far the most popular out of all of them and i feel like she I don't know, She she's kind of a fresh face, she's got, like, good ideas, she's, like, spoke out about a lot of shit, she's questioned a lot of authoritarianism, like, I really rate that. There were some other people, there was um, Tom, who, you know, voted against some of the stuff to do with COVID. Penny, I mean, not Penny, I didn't see, actually, Kemi speak out about many of the COVID stuff, which really does disappoint me, but out of the batch of people, I'd probably give Kemi definitely the best one out of all of them but she's not she hasn't made it through and if the thing is if it went to members i feel like kemi would be by far the most popular out of all of them but unfortunately that's not the case but yeah so it'll be interesting what happens either way i think it's pretty terrible if liz gets in tories might win i don't know but if rishi gets in labor have won 100 percent next year because well whenever the election is i can't even fucking remember <laughs> it's 2024 is it is it I can't even... Anyway, I think there's just no way Rishi will actually win, I don't think. If by the actual public in like a general election, there's just absolutely no way. But back to the Ukraine situation. So the Ukraine situation is still going on. You know, there's a lot of shit still going on. And there was these rumours a while back that Putin is in bad health. But apparently, according to a CIA chief, there's no intelligence that Putin is in bad health. So... There's been an increase in unconfirmed media speculation that Mr. Putin turned 70 this year and maybe suffer from ill health, possibly cancer. But Williams Burns said there is no evidence to suggest this, joking that he appeared too healthy. His comments came as the US announced it would provide Ukraine with more long-range weapons. Earlier, Russian Foreign Minister Sergio Lavrov said Russian's military focus is on Ukraine 
was no longer only the East and implied Moscow strategy had changed after the West supplied weapons to Ukraine. So I've, it's crazy how it's you know still going on. It's actually difficult to understand how much progress has been kind of made by Russia and how much isn't. But if you see here on the map, if you're listening, it's pretty much it is. They are making slow progress, Russia, from the looks of it. You know, they're consolidating the Donbass region a bit. Um, when you look at, you know, obviously they got Crimea and stuff, and they 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 are in control of places. And I think what they their strategy is kind of just to get all round the borders of kind of you know key cities like Kiev or however you say that. And because the thing is, if they take somewhere like that, I mean, that would be absolutely massive. Would that be the fall of Ukraine? I don't know. But, you know, I don't know how long people, countries can really give weapons to Ukraine without Putin being like, I'm backed into a corner. At what point is it World War Three? That That's the question, because it's all well and good saying we need to help Ukraine. But this guy's an, ins- an insane man with nuclear weapons. And I still think there is a possibility that he is going to drop a nuclear bomb on Ukraine, because or however you say it, Ukraine, Ukraine. I'm not sure. Uh, because if you back someone into a corner and they're losing, then their only option would be to do something crazy. And you know, that is good to see that he's not ill health, or apparently not ill health, or maybe this is trying to put positives to make it less dangerous of doing interference. But you know. Like, we, we do need to be cautious because this guy does have nuclear weapons. And I think, you know, if it carries on, I think what what might actually happen is all of a sudden all the Russian troops have go out of Ukraine or whatever and everyone's like, what the hell are they doing? And then they nuke it. Something crazy like that. I'm not even... I've fought it for ages. No one agrees with me, but I think there is a very good possibility that they'll just... Putin will do something absolutely nuts, like nuke it. Um... Just not with a radioactive nuclear bomb, because I always say that, and people go, "Well, the radiation will sweep Europe." Now he'll use like a, it won't be like a maybe a full-scale nuclear bomb, but it'll be very similar in the way that you know the destruction and death it causes. It just won't be radioactive, because apparently that is a thing, and I'm sure Russia have strategically thought thought about it for sure. Um, but interestingly, Ukraine war forcing China to rethink how and when it may invade Taiwan. CIA chief says so. This is really good news because. China have been moving in the. Oh, I'm trying to remember the the actual sea. I can't even remember the sea. They've been moving to pretty much take that, and then you had the whole thing where they took Hong Kong, and that was kind of the signifier that you know, like they are going to take Taiwan, and Taiwan is kind of the catalyst for World War Three. So Russian experience in Ukraine is affecting China's calculations on how and when it may decide to invade Taiwan, the head of the CIA said on Wednesday. Appearing at the SBN Security Forum, Central Intelligence Agency Director Bill Burns played down speculation that the Chinese President Xi, I think it's Xi, Xi Jinping could, yeah, is uh, move on Taiwan after a key Communist Party meeting said later this year. The risks of that to become higher, it seems to us, the further into the decade that you get, Burns said, adding, I wouldn't underestimate President Xi's determination to assert China's control over self-rule in Taiwan. Burns said that China was unsettled when looking at Russia's five months old war in Ukraine, which he characterized as a strategic failure for President Vladimir Putin, as he hoped to topple Kiev government within a week. So yeah, this, this is interesting because it, it definitely has deflected somewhat from kind of 
how bullish bullish that's the wrong word not a fucking stock market how kind of aggressive china are going to be on taiwan because if you're going to have your you know fuels cut off you're going to have resources cut off or trade deals you're not exactly like right i'm going to invade this tiny country unless it like it really does outweigh the the negatives and you can't really see that happening however having said that you know there's so many trade deals with the us and so many other countries that will if you know if china do invade somewhere like taiwan will they just allow it because they might easily because when you think about it like it's not like china going to take taiwan and then storm the rest of the world it's like they want to get that bit and then they'll probably kind of isolate for a bit however with putin it's like domination of reinstating the old soviet union so it's kind of dangerous to everyone um so yes it's a difficult one but i think um it definitely has put china like on hold to actually do it and personally i don't actually think they were doing it i used to always think they'd do it but i've realized when you look at what's happened with russia there's just no way it would make sense at all for them to do it right now but you know maybe they know something we don't and they've strategically planned it out and maybe they got some bitcoin the the bitcoin conspiracy theory that you know russia and china are colluding with having decentralized currencies as like trading um currencies they don't need to use the um oh what's the currency system which they trade with called the i can't remember the world trading currency thing um but yeah it's interesting but yeah here's another story so why is russia cutting off gas supplies to the rest of europe what does this mean for winter so this is pretty terrifying because this is going to ramp up gas prices so russia has slashed gas price gas supplies to multiple european countries worsening the energy crisis the continent was already facing before the war in ukraine began so now as winter approaches and a majority of gas pipelines remain offline european leaders are trying to secure alternative energy supplies they say russian president vladimir putin is using energy for political leverage to swing the conflict in ukraine in his favor so he's been quite smart he's basically saying you know we're going to cripple your economy no we're going to cripple the your citizens by paying super high gas prices if you don't you know stop doing multiple things like kind of th- this embargo on russia of stopping um trade deals or s- trading with the ruble and things like that so russia has cut off gas to poland bulgaria finland denmark and the netherlands saying they had refused to pay their bills in russian currency poland and bulgaria openly denounced moscow's payment rule while denmark's prime minister metik fredrickson called the move a kind of blackmailing i mean it is a blackmailing but pre- so this is this is going to really ramp up gas prices even more and I, I don't know how bad it's going to get i still think at the end of the day how how long are you gonna you know sanction putin for because he's just getting angrier and angrier and it's not exactly making that much of a difference and I I do wonder is sanctions really the way forward in this current climate or should should there be some sort of other strategic thing because I see you know Biden considering sending special forces to the embassy in Ukraine I mean if that goes ahead then that could be the World War 3 like it does seem a bit insane but how will the gas shortage affect Europe and the rest of the world so gas is used not just heat homes but also in the process of making people uh, most people will never see including manufacturing making glass bottles pasteurized milk and cheese many companies can't switch immediately to any 
other energy sources as equipment holding molten metal or glass is ruined if the heat is switched off. Europe is now scrambling to fill its gas storage before winter when demand rises to keep homes warm and plants running. Europe's gas reserves are only 65% full compared to the goal of 80% by November 1st. So they're kind of what's happening here is Putin's blackmailing European countries who aren't prepared for for basically the sanctions which are being imposed. So at some point, I think countries will just start to break. They'll have to be like, we can't go in any longer. We have to start trading. We need to open up the economy to Russia. I think that's got to be it. I, I don't see it because the bottom line is it will affect regular people a lot. Um, and how much is it worth, you know? Um, like I think Putin's awful, but how, at what point do you just say, you know, enough is enough. We just need to kind of almost get on with it because how how long can this resistance really go on for? I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one because obviously there's a lot of people dying in Ukraine. It's awful. Um, but yeah, so what does Vladimir Putin get out of cutting off the gas? Since evading Ukraine, Russia's revenue from exporting oil and gas to Europe has doubled to $95 billion. The increase in Russia's energy revenue in the past five months is three times what it would usually make of an entire winter. So it's possible Mr. Putin believes painfully utility bills and recession may undermine public support for Ukraine and swing negotiations in his favour, according to the International Energy called the IEA and that is a very smart move he's playing the game very well there and I think there's a good chance that will actually happen for sure like how how much can re- people really pay for fuel I don't know anyway th- this is a it's lovely Joe Rogan's so this is next story so this is discussing Joe Rogan faces huge criticism over shoot the homeless podcast comment so I saw this and I was just like oh my days I've watched Joe Rogan for fucking ages i've watched probably over half a thousand episodes of him sitting down with people and when i saw this this is like this is just standard joe rogan humor like this people who know nothing about him see him say let's shoot homeless people and they think oh joe rogan what what a maniac what you gotta understand is when he speaks he makes all these jokes constantly but if you're too like in your own bubble that you hate him so much, you, you will just pin anything he says on a joke because there's far worse things he said in a joke way because the point he's making is he's being hyperbolic saying that crime isn't enforced so, like, you, you can kind of do whatever you want. That's the point he's making in a jokey, hyperbolic way. But people are so stupid they don't even realise that. And again, I almost guarantee the independent, the absolute trash merchants probably haven't even listened to this episode for like maybe an hour they probably i haven't even listened to this episode but because i'm i'm actually going through his older stuff right now i don't actually listen to a lot of his newer stuff i listened to his newer stuff during covid but i listened to your new episode but um but like recently i just focus on the old episodes because there's so much content to consume it's like i can't just listen to like you know his old episodes as well as the new episodes as well as three other podcasts every day like i don't only got enough listening time in one day um but anyway the the shitty independent said speaking to guests and fellow comedian tom segura during the episode which aired last thursday 14th july rogan appeared to joke about shooting the homeless people in los angeles and relating to the california city bergen it but but Bergen, I can't even see. homeless crisis it is estimated that los angeles has more than six six thousand unhoused pension 
persons as of May 2020. So the point he was making was there's a massive homeless crisis and and like crime isn't enforced properly and saying kind of in a hyperbolic way if crime isn't like homeless people have like probably more rights than like re- people who have homes because crime is enforced so little so why don't you just go and shoot them yeah it's not the best way of saying it it's not the best way of making a point but he's making a joke like i'd probably make the exact same joke it definitely so it's just kind of pathetic and people just freaking out over it as always you know independent what a fucking wank newspaper absolutely shocking standard really you see twitter everyone's freaking out on twitter so no you know, first it was misinformation, now it's he can't even make jokes in this podcast. Fair enough, you have the right to criticise him. But the thing is, these people don't just want to criticise him. They want to take him down. They want to deplatform him. But the truth is, Joe Rogan ain't going anywhere. And even if Spotify does ban him, do you know how much another company will pay to get him on the platform? We're talking half a billion, you know. When you look at the amount of success Joe Rogan has got on Spotify, he, no one is close to Joe Rogan nobody on the platform again you get all the biggest podcasts in the world combine them together don't even make a dent in joe rogan so you know people can make all the all the accusations they want all the out of context bollocks which no one well people do care about and it just defames him they can do that all day long but the truth is the millions of people who know joe rogan they know what he's about they know his values they know his humor they know what he's like they know where he's come from they they don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck when I see this at all. If Joe Rogan would say something in a serious manner, I'd be like, oh, Joe, what are you doing? And then he'd probably learn from that. He'd probably develop because he's a super open-minded guy and it would be fine. But, you know, I, no one gives a fuck about this, really. And it's and because his name's so massive, obviously loads of people see this. Everyone freaking out on Twitter, getting a bunch of likes from everyone who hates him because a lot of people hate Joe Rogan. Um, and it's, it's just ridiculous, really. Um but it is what it is, and Joe Rogan is a trendy establishment figure, you know, he doesn't have uh, 20, 30 producers scripting it with a teleprompter, he's in his little studio shooting the shit, having a drink, having a cigar, puffing a bit of weed, having a chat, having a laugh, that's what it's about, and people can't handle the simplicity of just talking to people, and just having a good time, people people still don't understand the re- the real formula of Joe Rogan, and anyone can try that, but no one can do it like him. And that's, that is why he is an incredible human being. But anyway, so the last story. So the US Opens confirms vaccine status will rule out Novak Djokovic for the tournament. So this is pretty sad. Um, so Novak Djokovic hopes of playing in the US Open and has suffered another blow after the tournament said it would respect the United States government's rules on the COVID-19 vaccines. The US non-citizens to be fully vaccinated against coronavirus to enter the country, meaning jo- Novak Djokovic, who has made it repeatedly clear that he will not take the vaccine, will not be allowed to entry- enter. So the Wimbledon champion, who was also banned from playing in the Australian Open due to his anti-vaccine stance, anti-COVID vaccine stance, there we go, um, love that Guardian, that sneaky little dig at him. Love. Um, after his success in London, after waiting hopefully for some good news from the USA, the 35-year-old, a three-time champion at the Flushing Meadows, was named on the entry list to the final Grand Slam of of this year on Wednesday. But that is routine, rather than the indication that he will be allowed to play. So 
It looks like he's not going to be able to play, but there's a chance there could be an exception. Potentially, I'm not sure because it it's like you know the best tennis player in the world just going to be like fuck off, you can't come in, um, and I'm sure that will hurt their bottom line drastically. I gotta say, f- so much respect for this man. He's been so great when it comes to this. Like, right, YouTube before you freaking out. This is not medical advice. Speak to your own personal doctor. Go to the NHS website. Link in the description to any to um, the World Health Organization and the NHS website. This is not medical advice. Talk to your own personal doctor. Right, there we go. So the reason I really rate this is because people always say, you know, trust the science. They say that. Um, and the, the truth is Novak Djokovic probably has some of the best cardiologists, some of the best doctors in the world on his health, right? He, he has the best nutritionist, the best absolute massage masseuses he's probably got the best everything this guy's in the peak of his form you know he's probably got an insane body super healthy and the fact that kind of you know he he talks he said he spoke to experts and stuff and he came to the decision it wasn't for him he's not going to take it and the fact that people can't even kind of comprehend the that that everyone's different and one size does not fit all because this man is in the fittest like, this man probably, like, works out, like, you know, eight hours a day minimum. He's probably pumping the weights, like, well, no, nah, not that much, actually, for um, tennis. But, you know, he's probably on the treadmill, doing a bunch of collagenics. Like, he's, he's definitely not, he's not just a random person. So, like, for him to do something to his body is a big deal. Like, if he had a cheeseburger, I'm sure, like, that would be a big deal. So, any little thing that could potentially hinder his health or things of that nature, he, he would be cautious about. And I know there's been multiple other tennis players who have had certain reactions to the vaccine. That's that's a fact, all right? Um, and he spoke, you know, with his top doctors, top nutritionists. I'm sure they, in private, you know, they, they give him the data, they give him the risk-benefit analysis, they give their own personal opinion on what he should do. And he makes a decision, decision from that, you know? Um and completely fair enough to keep him to him because most people be like, oh, well, why didn't you just why didn't you just get it? It's just easy. Well, the point is, if he doesn't need it, and the advice he's getting says don't take it, why would you compromise kind of the the advice and knowledge and also principles of making a decision yourself just with peer pressure to succeed with something? So I have so much respect for this man, and also the way that all the media outlets like the Guardian, like the Independent trying to lambast him as some sort of nutcase when actually he's one of the best shapes of his life he's a super fit guy one of the best p- tennis players if not the best tennis player in the world not an expert on tennis um and he's willing to kind of like half or quarter his career because of this because he's taken that moral stand i will not give in just because of like a mandate just because of pressure i will keep with my decision so much respect for him for that um like absolutely amazing and no no one wants to no one wants to talk about the no one wants to talk about the the experts he has because it's like the best tennis player in the world doesn't want to take it i wonder why he doesn't want to take it you really think he you really think novet djokovic the best tennis player in the world is going to is going to chuck away millions and millions of pounds or dollars or whatever and the opportunity to win some of the things he trains for his whole life to do 
all because of one little thing. If he hasn't researched it, spoke to experts, spoke to doctors, you really think that's just a hunch of his? It's just a hunch. It's not the best decision for him. It's more than a hunch. Why would he... Like, you, you need to really rationalise this man. And I got so much respect, like, um, again, respect for him because... He still hasn't. He still hasn't gave in. You know, if he wants to take it, fair enough. But the fact that he's doing it on his own watch, absolute major respect to him and fair fucking play, absolute lad. Anyway, thanks so much for watching. This has been episode thirty of the Radical English Gentleman. It has been a good one. I am going to be getting guests on very soon. I did have a guest which I was supposed to record yesterday. They cancelled, unfortunately. But when I do get them on, I'm absolutely buzzing for that episode because it's going to be a Spotify exclusive episode just because on that, with that person I'll be interviewing, it'll get banned instantly from YouTube, so I can't check on there. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for listening. Major episodes coming soon. I will catch you next week at Thursday, 6 o'clock. Love you all and have a good one follow me at reg podcast if you do want to talk to me or get in touch about coming on the show or at rory jacobs or if you are on snap i don't ever plug my snapchat ever but if you are interested i'm on snapchat at rory jacobs on there um yeah love you please.